0: Hello, dear listener, and thank you for uh, checking out Something Rotten. Uh, We talk about pretty uh, awful games in this show generally, and I put content warnings in the description for most episodes. Um, But I do want to just do one um, in front of this whole season because, uh, boy, there are some... Wretched topics that we go into in the show, uh, including but not limited to uh, extended discussions of sexual abuse and suicide. So, if um, if either of those things are things that you don't want to consider for any reason, uh, here's just a heads up: it's going to be pretty hard to avoid. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Something Rotten. Uh, we have moved on from the, uh, the the foggy streets of Silent Hill 2, uh, and yet found ourselves right back in the uh, foggy malls and corridors of Silent Hill 3. Uh, this is the start of our Silent Hill 3 podcast. My name is Jacob Geller. I am joined, as always, by Blake Hester.
1: Uh, good morning, Blake. What's in a name? A classic Mm -hmm. question. I feel like we've pigeonholed ourselves calling this show something rotten in terms of the games we have to focus on. But after Silent Hill 2 and 3, what do you think about doing like The Sims next season? Or maybe Noor? Something a little lighter, a little more light yeah. It's Something that isn't going to uh, make me feel bad all the time. I do think uh, I, this makes all of the
0: other games that we have called rotten uh, feel yeah, like poses. Yeah. Uh, play, <laughs> playing this game, I'm like, oh, this is the real rot. Everything else is just fake. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's like even Killer7 which is a rotten game i was stoked playing because it's just like there's a vibe to it and then going through these the this damn re- town that i see in my restless dreams i just have been in a muck <laughs> recently which i guess makes them effective pieces of art but nevertheless next season we're doing the sims all right you heard
0: it here first um and joining us uh is a a esteemed kind of niche horror creator uh silent hill particularly but has gone on to talk about all sorts of uh really interesting games and stuff on youtube uh tango mushi is here hello welcome
2: hello hello hello, esteemed oh my goodness that is too high a praise thank you
0: <laughs> look when uh when we were both i think looking for uh people on youtube who seem to just uh have have a deep understanding and appreciation of the silent hill franchise uh yours was definitely one of the first channels that came up
2: oh my god what an honor thank you
0: so uh, before we start talking about silent hill 3 um can you give us a little background on your uh, i don't know your your life with silent hill like when did you first run into it which games did you play
2: first what kind of first connected with you about it yeah, absolutely. Oh man, where to start? I think I originally, the first one I played was Silent Hill 2. Uh, I found a very cheap copy of it in GameStop back in the day for only uh, €5. Euro. My God, and to see what it goes for now is <laughs> crazy. But uh yeah, that was the first one I played. But I think the first one I actually finished was 3. Um So obviously being, I was about 12, 13, playing as Heather, I I, I got very attached to Heather very quickly. That was definitely one sure. of my first memories of this franchise because you know um she's just a very everyday normal girl and but i also liked how hot-headed and how she's well able to you know talk up to the bad guys and fend for herself and i guess you know when you're a little 12 year old you're like oh my god she's so cool <laughs> um but <laughs> when it came to the horror aspect even as a kid i was able to i i, I really appreciated the 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 solemn somber atmosphere that's in the Silent Hill games it's so unlike other horror games and horror films and horror whatever very unique atmosphere and I was completely enraptured by it or you know completely enamored with the atmosphere and uh you know nothing's changed 10-15 years later <laughs> were you uh, well,
0: yeah. were you like a, a horror head at the time like did you like other horror movies and games and stuff I,
2: it, it was definitely Resident Evil and Silent Hill were the mainstays I I, I didn't looking back at it, I guess I was because I really liked um, uh, Japanese horror, like The Ring, The Grudge, all that kind of jazz. So I, I think I was a horror head, but I wouldn't have labeled myself that until I, you know, got into content creation and realized, like, you know, ten years later. Oh wait, you really like the genre? <laughs> what took you so long to realize?
0: And there are a lot of other people who also really like that genre. I, I feel <laughs> yeah, very like very
2: much so. Yeah,
0: you are able to find a niche. I, I think so. Uh, An interesting thing about uh, both Blake and my histories is that we've both started to play Silent Hill 3 and then not finished it. Uh, Blake, because uh, he was a child and was far too scared by the opening. (laughs) And me, I'm not sure why. I think partially it's just kind of a pain in the ass to play them uh, on PC in this day and age. Um, But what you say about connecting with Heather really makes sense because like, Especially as a 12 or 13 year old, you start playing Silent Hill 2 and you are playing just the most fucked man in existence, <laughs> just like a guy who absolutely sucks. And so to have it, it's, it's yeah. such a change. Like, you know, we we've been playing Silent Hill 2 up until like last week. And so going into this game that has like a likable main character character. Feels like radically different for the series.
2: Absolutely, it's she's definitely. I think Heather is probably the most likable protagonist of the the OG one to four for sure. Compared to the others, the 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 rest of the protagonists are either kind of kind of bland or you know thoroughly unlikable, like James. So you know, pick your poison.
1: (laughs) I think you know we'll 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 talk about our broader feelings on Silent Hill three. I'm, I'm not sure I've been fully bought in on the game, but one place I don't have a complaint is Heather. She fucking rocks, Jacob. How are you feeling about her? Oh, yeah. I, I'm such a fan. Okay, red. So we're all mm-hmm. in agreement.
0: Here. Yeah, Heather Heather rules. And I think, you know, like, the what's interesting is that, like, before I played this game, you know, before I even kind of started to play it and, and fell off for the first time, it was like she is so truly kind of an iconic character design in a really interesting way because it's not like you know i think of other iconic characters are like uh mario or bayonetta (laughs) or master chief where it's just these like completely extreme uh versions of whatever they are and heather does just kind of look like a teenager but there's something about kind of the way that she is presented that makes her like way more memorable than any other just like random human character that you play as in games
2: yeah I, I think actually that's an interesting point you make because I think it's her normality is what makes her so is what makes her stand out because like you said we're so used to those extreme dramatic outfits like Master Chief and bayonet and all these things that seeing a character who's just she looks like a girl next door kind of vibe it's like that's weirdly rare and it makes her stand out all the more here's something that both
0: Blake and I, I think, wanted to talk about. Um, Is this as good as graphics get? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's get into it. I think this game looks so good, and I I can't really even define how, but it's just, like, the character models in this game are, like... I would be happy if video game characters kind of looked like this forever. Like, I don't think we need to get more detailed.
1: I've been thinking about this, because it's, like... On the one hand, you say that and you're like, "Yeah, I buy it, full full sale." And then on the other hand, it's like it's a 20 year old game. Why do I think that? Because it feels wrong to say. And I think this is like late mid to late era, like PS2 and I guess Xbox games as well, um, or GameCube because Resident Evil Four. I also think the character models look great in that game, and that shipped on GameCube first. But that whole era of games is like at any stage in a hardware's life cycle, the best era is usually the last because developers have just like honed in on how to make things for that box so well and this is like right before ps3 which was like peak fucking well no it's not though this is i was because this game came out in 2003 well i said mid to late era for the boxes i guess but it's i'm hold on let me let me go ahead mr geller please when we get to the ps3 though like it's just uncanny valley everywhere like go back and look at the first Uncharted 1, which at the time was like, oh, this is amazing. And it looks like dog shit compared to <laughs> Silent Hill 3. And then by the time you get to the PS5, it's like, yeah, everything looks so good. But I think in a lot of cases, in a chase for um, just like as realistic as possible, you've abandoned a lot of like style. Like The Last of Us Part 2, the characters do not have style. You know, like they're just like human beings. Except for Dina, who we love. Except for Dina, who we all love. But like Aloy, it's like that's a game with really strong art direction, but it hasn't escaped the uncanny valley. So you're still getting two issues there. And I think there was this magical moment in the PS2 era, Xbox and GameCube era, as well, where it's like they were starting to reach towards, like, ultra-realism and starting to obtain a little bit of it, but still with a strong sense of, like, style and artistic direction. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you couldn't just mirror real life the way Naughty Dog can to, like, almost an unbelievable degree. Like, you still had to fill in the gaps a little bit. As like, Heather doesn't actually look like a real person. She just looks like a great video game character. And I think that's true for all the, like, human models except for Claudia which we can circle back to she looks very strange but like when I saw Vincent and all the like animation and detail in him I was like yeah he looks like an anime character but it's as good as this can possibly get um, I wish this is what every game looked like. Yeah,
2: now. totally. Yeah, it's falls somewhere in between still having a distinct art style while also being mostly realistic. Exactly,
1: yes. Th- there's like a middle point right between those two philosophies that I think is like the sweet spot for 3D Absolutely. visuals. At least in video games. And
0: one of the things that's so impressive is like, Uh, silent hill 2 is a great looking game you know by art direction and by kind of like whatever all all of its aesthetics that it's going for but like the leap in character models between two and three is unbelievable you know it's like james has uh, he he looks kind of just like clay you know he (laughs) he really has like not much of a face and it's like i really like maria's character design and stuff but like when you look at just, like, her eyes compared to, like, Heather's eyes in this game, it is, it is night and day in, like, how expressive Heather and all of the characters are, and kind of, like, the, the, I feel like they kind of know where to focus, you know, like, one of the really interesting things about Heather is she has, like, pretty big dark circles under her Mm -hmm. eyes, which is just, like, such an interesting thing, and it's, like, because you're paying attention to that, you're not necessarily noticing like she doesn't have as many triangles as
1: uh, you know as as something <laughs> sure. else. But it's also like Silent Hill 2, when the the FMVs are great, they're amazing. But like that's where yeah. that game peaks visually in a lot of cases. And there are no FMVs in this game, except for like I think in mm-hmm. the intro cutscene that plays in the menu. Like there are FMVs there. And they've achieved, like, a better look and better animation quality in two years while still running all the cutscenes in real time, which is, like, amazing, because I think I was watching... Gate. Let me know if you knew this fun fact, everyone. I was watching Gaming Muse's video, a great Silent Hill historian, and he said uh, they made this game in only, like, 10 months. Yeah. I was uh,
0: I was gonna ask Tango if you knew anything about the uh the development of this game. Not not to put you on the spot, but I was like reading the Wikipedia of it
2: beforehand. <laughs> Man, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know it was ten months. That is surreal, that is frightening what they could achieve in that little short amount of time. But I know that all of the, the games from two to four were very very quickly made, a little too quickly at times, because yep. I know that four was made yep. alongside three. That's all I do know. Yep. Um, and then obviously came out a year later so what they were able to create in such a short time in the entire franchise up until that point is man it's a shame they they the company ended when they did or rather should I say the development team ended when they did because they if they could make that in just 10 months that's yeah insanity to me. So uh,
1: an interesting thing about Silent Hill 3 is um, Silent Hill 2 did not immediately sell very well and was not very popular in Japan.
0: Or really in the US. I mean, we read that Game Informer review.
1: (laughs) Right. But uh, (laughs) being on the press side, let me tell you, Japanese developers will Mm -hmm. always focus on their home turf before the American audience. So a Japanese audience not liking Silent Hill 2 is going to carry such a bigger weight. To Konami than an American audience not like it. It's just the way it goes. Fine, it's understandable. Um, so because of that, the original plan for Silent Hill 3, supposedly, was to make it a light gun game. And that ate <laughs> up like eight months of development. It should have been an 18-month development timeline. That ate up however many months, six to eight. And then they shifted to Silent Hill 3 for reasons I'm not entirely on, maybe just uh, that everyone realized a light gun game was <laughs> truly a bad idea. And Konami would circle back to bad Silent Hill ideas a few short years later. But that's where that truncated timeline came from. And there was also another Silent Hill 3 concept that I assumed did not get beyond just like design, the design document phase.
0: Yeah, and, and 4 was being developed at the same time with the idea that it wouldn't be called Silent Hill 4, but would be some kind of spinoff. It's kind of wild for a A franchise that had had essentially one successful entry that they were like, okay, people didn't like the last one, but we are going to make two games at the same time, and we're going to make them within the span of, like, two years. Yeah,
1: and uh, Silent Hill 3 also, like, had some key people leave, like, Takeuchi Sato, I think, did not work on any Silent Hills after Silent Hill 2, and he had, like, a big hand in the visual direction and story of those, but also the director of Silent Hill 2 skipped three to work on four um and so i think that does leave silent hill 3 in a weird place especially in this first half the game feels very strange and i've been trying to be like is that the historical effects of like a 10-month development you know some of these key people leaving and then other people having to fill holes like i don't know jacob how are you feeling about the game it's here's i mean here's my first big note is like it
0: feels like this game doesn't have an introduction
1: almost. That's exactly what I'm saying is in that then I go back to how it was made. And I was like, okay, what is the dissonance here?
0: Yeah, because you so the first thing, I mean, I like the kind of it has this very interesting in media res opening where you are essentially you wake up and you're like in a super fucked silent hill place. You're in you're in this amusement park. They're like, mascot costumes of like big bunnies everywhere and it's like there are a million uh enemies and you don't really know what to do and you essentially either run until you reach the end of it or i I don't
1: know if you die here does does it just kind of keep keep rolling you can die i believe i think it's also on a timer because mine just kind of like ran out um, you can also get to the end and walk along the uh, roller coaster and... That's what I did. A roller yeah. coaster will hit you. I did not make it that far because I was like exploring the buildings and everything and a timer just ran out and I woke up. Uh, this is also the point if you're a nine-year-old Blake Hester in a uh, suburban Louisville, Kentucky that you turned the game off and never played it again.
2: <laughs> I can't blame you at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's too scary. I couldn't deal with it.
2: Yeah, and so, and it
1: jumps to, then there
0: is... Uh, we we talked about actually a little with uh, with iPad Wolf in the previous episode that um I like my memory of two or my kind of like sense of it is just these kind of beautifully composed shots and the mm-hmm. game immediately jumps into uh, the most gorgeously composed shot which is like Heather sitting at the at the cafe or the coffee shop and like the red light through the blinds uh kind of falling on her and it like that fucking rules you know and that is totally like this game's james looking in the mirror kind of like give you a sense of the character while they're just not really doing anything yeah
1: i think like at the beginning of this game in tango I, I'm, i'd be very curious to hear your kind of reactions to our ears to what we're <laughs> saying because you're so much more familiar with the game than us but you know for all the times when silent hill 2 was fairly sparse in its storytelling it still felt like it was setting the tone and putting like you in the right headspace within the atmosphere. Like I think of when I was in that apartment in Silent Hill Two, I had no clue what the fuck was going on in the game, and yet like looking back, I was like, oh, that was a perfect tone piece to put me in the right headspace for the rest of the game. I don't know if like I feel the same way about the mall and then the construction site and then uh, the shopping center in Silent Hill Three. Oh, and the underpass and the subway. There's a a million levels in this first two or three hours that, like, is putting me in a similar, like, headspace as that first game. It feels like it's throwing a lot at me. There are moments I really like with Heather's characterization. I think the introduction of the uh, private eye, whose name escapes me right now, Uh, Douglas. Douglas, I think his introduction and Heather's conversations with him in the beginning are really good, and I see kind of like where that's going thematically, but in terms of like the actual uh, level-based storytelling, which is something we talked about a lot with Silent Hill, like the way playing the game is the narrative, um, I don't know that I'm getting this here until we get to her apartment, and I'm like, okay, now I've found the impetus of Heather to be the protagonist of this game, but also that's three hours in, and that's not, a bad thing but it's also like i don't feel as latched into the game right now as i did with silent hill 2 immediately when i hit those apartments
2: I, one thing i definitely think so personally i i love one to four to death but i would say if i had to pick a least favorite gameplay wise or progression wise it would probably be three because i do think oh interesting there's something to be said i, I do agree fully with what you say where um it, it, it I, I would even go so far as to say it feels a little bit directionless for the first yeah. two to three hours because yeah. you're kind of you're spending so much time running through this area running through that area and you're kind of like okay get to the point where's this going you know uh, until of course you get to the to the apartment and everything goes crazy um, but I, I do think one thing that's really interesting about three's first half for lack of a better word is that I love the normality of all the areas you're in sure. I know you could say the same thing for two really but I love that all the areas in three are very regular every day, like the subway, mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 mall, or the shopping center. They're, they're all places that a teenager like Heather would be frequenting, um, especially back in the early two thousands. Right, so. I really like that even if nothing is happening story wise per se I like I I just really like the normality everyday setting of the areas cuz it makes them 10 times scarier to me yeah. seeing a place that's so normal that you would go to yourself going to the city going into wherever going to the mall seeing them creepy and and Uh, totally empty and desolate a lot of like liminal space kind of vibes i would say and which is is very funny that they kind of did liminal space before that popped off as it did in the last few years yeah
1: that that normalcy and especially the mall with heather um is something i've thought about a lot and really liking that setting and that idea but i do think it it contrasts against what you said the direction directionlessness of the game where it's like mall great setting for this protagonist But the game isn't really doing much with it yet. Um,
0: Yeah, I think I mean, the what I think is most interesting about this compared to two, even though two had uh, theoretically like a normal version and a nightmare version of places, the normal version was never not also awful you know you you were never like oh i would go <laughs> here to like the normal apartment before it became nightmare yeah. the normal hospital mm. this does have places that are shockingly normal in that they are like clean yeah. you know that's that's like weirdly the biggest the, the biggest kind of difference and i think it's so there's like the moment right at the beginning where um you go into the bathroom to avoid Douglas and you like climb out the window and you're outside and you are not in Silent Hill world and like the sun looks different Mm -hmm. than it ever looks in Silent Hill 2 or like you know and it's kind of like okay this is like the real world this is weird um and then and then you get brought into the nightmare stuff but like the the times that you were in my my favorite individual like minutes of this part were definitely being in the non-nightmare subway because it is so kind of different and evocative and scary in its normalcy, in a way that like Silent Hill 2 could never even pretend to be like a normal place. You know, it never it never had that illusion. Yeah, absolutely. I- what I don't like as much, uh, and and this is this is kind of a game design thing, the way that this game uses enemies and combat is Mm -hmm. strange and interesting um I feel like the broad strokes are there are way more enemies they are much stronger Mm -hmm. you are not supposed to kill most of them you know that that in Silent Hill 2 most enemies like you got enough ammo and they were in small enough numbers that you could kind of just shoot everyone and you would be mostly okay um and I like that but what I uh, what I find really weird is like they just kind of throw them in without introduction. You know, where you just, like, you you walk into a hallway in the newly nightmared uh, apartment, or mall, and it's like, there are just these massive guys walking around, and dogs, and weird little, like, skinless things, and none <laughs> of them, like, they don't kind of get the... Uh, uh, the big intro that like silent hill 2 gives pretty much every enemy type
1: yeah i i've thought about the the like gameplay scares a lot in this game and i I truly miss from sh2 just walking into a hallway and there being one enemy at the end of it and that being the <laughs> scariest thing i could imagine and you know like if, if i'm perhaps reading too far into it i do wonder if the focus on the amount of enemies is kind of, like, a reflection of the protagonist. Like, James is, like, a real spacey dude. Like, he's not, frankly, he's not all there. Um And so, like, there's a sparseness to Silent Hill 2. And Heather, like, in a good way, is very angsty and kind of, like, ob- an obnoxious teenager. And I think the game does reflect that. Because, it's like, I walk into a room and it is the loudest shit I have ever heard in my life. Like Akira Yamaoka just recorded himself banging on like a hundred can- <laughs> metal trash cans. And yeah, every, totally. every, like when you encounter the like mosquito monsters, there's just these awful like scratching sound that they make. Um, and it's excessive. Like in a way I kind, I, I do like, because I think it is scary. Not in like the Resident Evil or Dead Space way where it's like, Everything's just yelling at you, but also, like, you're usually powerful enough to handle most of everything. So after a few minutes, it's no longer scary. Like, walking into a room in Silent Hill 3 and being like, there are six enemies in here. There's no hope for me. And I just have to run to the other end of this room while I get the shit kicked out of me. Is like, is very scary to me. But I think if, like, I'm leaning one way or the other, I do miss kind of the sparseness of Silent Hill 2. Because... You could do a lot of fucking backtracking through these crowded rooms.
2: Very much. I I think um, that's an interesting... I never thought about the combat that much in Silent Hill because I always kind of wrote off the combat as just being bad. (laughs) Uh, Or outdated, I would say, maybe is the the more fair term. But uh, I I think there's an... You're making a really interesting point where that... 2 is very minimalist in virtually everything. Um, the the storytelling, the characters, him being spacey, you don't get much of his personality, and with the combat, there's not that many enemies. It's all very minimalist, whereas 3 is the exact opposite, because 3 kind of reflects 1. D- did you guys play 1? I'm so sorry.
0: No, we haven't, but please tell us uh, feel free to spoil one in <laughs> explaining three okay
2: I think three is three is very much uh, mirroring one's progression because uh, three is about Heather and one is about her father so I feel like there's a continuity between the two it's it's reflecting uh, the progression and the, the, the horror as well three and one's horror compared to two and four is very aggressive it's very yeah. overt it's overwhelming even with the sounds like you were saying it's just like oh my god there's, there's so many noises going on it's crazy uh and i think that's that's all because it's meant to be very overt and violent kind of horror and uh i i think it's ultimately when it comes to the combat it makes it more of a pain in the ass doesn't it <laughs> there's <It makes> more <laughs> yeah. enemies but uh it's it it is if you want to be you know very particular about it, it's kind of from an artistic perspective it makes sense but yeah it's still a pain in the ass either way isn't it <laughs> i think
1: jacob if you'll mm-hmm. allow me this is a great place to just talk through what the fuck this game is about yeah um it is a direct sequel to Silent Hill 1, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. That game, I'm going to do uh, a bad job of uh, paraphrasing <laughs> it. So Tango, if you need to correct me at any point, please do. But uh, <laughs> you play as Harry Mason, a man who is taking his daughter to Silent Hill for a vacation. Because I believe she is like, talking about it in, at some point. Mm-hmm. like She wants to visit Silent Hill. They go on the outskirts of town. They are in a car wreck. Heather goes missing. Um, or I guess in the, the game, her name is Alyssa? Or is it Heather? Uh,
2: it's Cheryl. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. There we go.
1: So, Jay, uh, d- fuck. Harry goes <laughs> adventuring around Silent Hill, running into all kinds of scary monsters, searching for his daughter. Um, come to find out, Jacob, believe this or not, uh, there's a whole evil cult in this town doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, they want to bring paradise to the world via a conduit, which is Alyssa. Cheryl. And the way to do that is kind of like the movie Martyrs, if you ever saw that, is to like uh, torture her.
2: I believe Tango, do I have this right? You, you're 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 pretty damn close. I will say okay. Silent Hill One is terrible at telling its plot. <laughs> like, okay. okay, it's an awfully told. I, I have to be honest. Yeah, that's that's you. you kind of got it. Like they were they were doing a, a crazy ritual that involved burning uh, Alessa, and then when Alessa was tortured, she was basically like, "I don't want this god to be born," so right. she split her soul in two and that's where cheryl came from so then that's why cheryl wanted to go back to the town and uh it, then it ends with the big epic fight against god <laughs> as classic silent hill and uh alessa as she's you know finally dying finally re- released from her pain she gives harry a new baby called which he then called heather who's like the souls of cheryl and alessa rejoined back into one uh in essence yeah I, I hope that made sense it's a pretty complicated little plot
1: so fast forward to silent hill 3 you play as heather and at least in this first half we don't know a ton about what's going on but the inciting incident is she wakes up in a mall a private investigator is looking for her and then she's like there's a really good moment where she's like this is fucking creepy and she like has to, runs away from the guy but like heather is being pursued by this private investigator and then this like woman named claudia who cryptically is hinting that heather is more to the world as we know it than heather understands there's clearly some i guess she was a baby so she probably just hasn't been told by harry what happened because why would you fucking tell (laughs) her child that but like she is totally oblivious to what is going on but she is also like reactive to claudia um she experiences pain that's kind of implied claudia can control uh, and then there's monsters, which is interesting that in this version of Silent Hill, the monsters can exist without Silent Hill and are, I, I guess, w- under Claudius' control. But that's like the broad plot of yeah. The
0: game. So I feel like with with conversations about this game, there are kind of there is the the plot and the themes, which are like pretty separate because the plot the plot is this like there's a cult, Heather's the, their target silent hill birth a new god whatever um but then i think the the themes and I, I i think tango why uh you know a lot of people are attached to this is like um uh you play as a woman which is a new thing in uh the silent hill franchise and a lot of this game is like very specific to that and that is a uh A more interesting experience, at least for me this time, than, like, finding out what's going on with the cult.
2: Mm. Yeah, definitely. A lot of the... I think... Wow, there's there's a a lot of... Well, for starters, apparently the original concept that you were mentioning earlier, Blake, was that uh I think the original idea for Silent Hill 3 was it was going to be very female-centric, like, with no cult involved. And then Konami was like, we want the cult because it's kind of an easy fallback and it's a good plot that everyone understands. Uh So I, I think the the cult is somewhat shoehorned into the plot, but originally it was just going to be purely Silent Hill from a female perspective, which is, uh we still did get a lot of that. Uh It would have been cool to see it in full swing, but we did get a lot of that. And I think... One very, very core thing, and I can definitely certainly relate to from when I was a teenager, teenager is, you know, she's she's being pursued by these adults who are telling her these weird things like, oh, you're meant to do this. You, you have this great future ahead of you. And she's just like, dude, what the hell is going on? She's so confused because she's still a child, really, at the end of the day. I think she's only 17 canonically. So she's still a kid, barely an adult, uh, if at all. And I think it's uh, it, it really hammers home the point of like stranger danger and those things you would have been taught as a kid but she has to act like an adult obviously considering what's going on and adolescence and the whole idea of growing up before you're meant to is a very central point and I know that's kind of a general thing most kids can relate to regardless of gender um, but I, I think also what ties into it is you know all the the areas being so empty there there's a threatening atmosphere to them, like the subway. I think is a great example they 're so threatening. they're never places that you'd want to be on your own, but especially so if you 're a woman unfortunately uh you'd never want to be in a place like that on your own for fear of what could happen and I think that those choices of areas and the the world design feels very particular to. Women in that sense, if that makes sense, you know. Yeah,
1: well, it, it's very telling, right? That like um, Heather's first interaction, which is with the private investigator, whose name I've already forgot again. What, what is it, <laughs> Douglas. Walt- Douglas? Douglas is like. Like, the first time we see Heather interact with a human, it is this, like, creepy old man coming up and be like, Heather, come with me, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, she is very clearly, like, red flags everywhere based on everything she's been taught as a woman in the world. Uh, I think that is, like, a very good, like, table-setting moment. Also, one of the things in this game... uh jacob i don't know if you noticed the silent hill series loves phallic imagery (laughs) i i I actually i picked up on that one and uh there's plenty of it in silent hill 2 but uh this game has not abandoned that central motif uh the first boss is a big dick i just i could not be more explicit uh just just a big old dick. A big dick coming in and out of holes yeah
0: (laughs) which is Um, a lot um, of the enemies are uh kind of have that vibe you know the there are these you know they're kind of dogs that seemingly are just dogs but then there are the uh, these also these other things that kind of look like uh, dinosaurs walking around but they also kind of look like i don't know like fleshlights you know or just like dicks or whatever Mm -hmm, like it's really and then one of actually something something that i really like even though it is it is very dark is like in i felt like the um in Silent Hill 2, maybe the weakest element of, like, the gameplay was the puzzles often didn't feel like they had that much to do with, um, anything, you know, it's, like, finding coins isn't really something that, like, ties into James's story at all, and there is some of that in this, like, there's a thing where you have to, like, set uh, a pork shoulder on fire that, like, I don't know how much you could read into that but what I do think is very intentional is like there are there are, there are puzzles that you have to solve with like a coat hanger which is you know like the way that you use the coat hanger in the game is not at all kind of like related to uh home done abortions or whatever but like I think you know, like I've got got a lot of friends with coat hanger tattoos, you know, like if you are kind of keyed into this at all, you just know that that is like a very evocative mm-hmm. uh, image. And similarly, there's another puzzle that you have to do where you have to, uh, you have to throw a hairdryer in the bathtub or not in the bathtub, but in, in like a body of water to kill this monster. And that also is just kind of like a thing that is very evocative of like, uh, specifically kind of female uh, suicide or whatever is this. And so it's like they're Mm -hmm. using these, this really, really kind of compelling imagery and they're not, they're not putting too much of a point on it, which I like, but it's kind of like in navigating these nightmares, the tools that Heather has to use are also just kind of like nightmares of womanhood, you know, in, in this way that I find really totally. interesting.
2: Yeah, and and actually, you know, the part you mentioned there where you throw the, the hairdryer into the water, are you okay with me saying what happens if you don't do that? Oh, it happened to me, yes. <laughs> oh, that, okay. Um, well, if you don't throw the hairdryer in... Um, uh, and just walk across the, the little path, then a a, a tentacle, simply put, uh, comes up, grabs her leg and drags her into the water. And then there's a pool of blood and okay, she clearly died. But one thing that completely blew my mind when it was pointed out to me is that if you l- look at the tentacle for the brief second it's on screen, it kind of looks like an umbilical cord. And I think that that's, not, you know, obviously it's a nod to pregnancy as a whole, but also it's it's interesting that this umbilical cord, if you want to call it, drags her down. It, it's kind of like you know when you're when you're a teenager, as as a girl, like pregnancy is the last thing on your mind. Obviously, you know when you're a kid, and even in adulthood, it's you have to be ready for that. It's a big undertaking, and um, the fact that it's it's using this pregnancy imagery as something that is. Kind of a threat to her is is very interesting to me you know the the even some of the monsters like the the one you mentioned there that looks like a little dinosaur, you almost called it um i some people even think it looks a little bit like sperm mm-hmm. you know it 's oh, like sure. there 's this very vivid imagery all to do with pregnancy and uh, not childhood, but, uh, you know, being a mother, I guess, really. And it's really, you know, as someone who is a teenager at one point in time, it, it, pregnancy is scary. It, yeah. It's a big undertaking physically and also mentally as you have the child. And it's really fascinating to have that explored in a game so subtly and at the same time, so not so subtly. Uh, it, it's equal amounts. Three is equal amounts, subtle and not so subtle with how it tells a story. And I just, it's it's a masterpiece in that regard to me.
0: Yeah, it is the the whole plot, both kind of explicitly and implicitly, is like you know it is it is essentially the threat of the patriarchy of like hey we're going to use you woman as like a vessel to give birth and nothing more you know and that's i mean it's like claudia almost literally says that it's like your point is to give birth yeah. um and so you know having having all of this imagery that is like the the threat of losing bodily autonomy uh, i think is yeah like a huge theme and one of the things that i think like works best through all this is them kind of invoking those themes it,
1: it circles back to i think another big theme of this which we kind of touched on is the fear of sex in this game Which, like, if there's one thing James was not scared of, it was sex. All he wanted was (laughs) to fuck, basically. But, like, Heather's a teenage girl. I I don't think it's explicitly said, but, like, because it would be all weird if it did. But, like, you could maybe infer she's a virgin. Um, And there's all these ideas of, like, maybe she is scared to have sex for the first time. There's a lot of stranger danger stuff. Very realistic fears for a young woman. Um, around, like, sexual assault, and then pregnancy on top of that. And I think there's, like, that is another multi-layered part of the story that it's hinting at. I wish, playing it, that this was the central thrust of the game, was all Mm -hmm. of Heather's themes. Because the cult stuff often feels like it is getting in the way, and, like, butting up against that. And, like, the introduction to Vincent, I think he's a very compelling character, but also it's like, I want them to have a conversation that isn't about like, oh my God, did you know Harry and me met 17 years ago? Can you believe that shit? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I wish you were a more interesting character because I think all the stuff the game is doing around pregnancy and sex is like very, very interesting because especially for the time and probably still today, it's like the perspective of it being through the eyes of a teenage girl is like so different for games. A Town with a Colton is like so old hat that it's just like, Let's get back to the cool stuff. Like.
2: Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I wish the game focused 100% on it. Uh, I will say just uh, that if you guys want a game that does delve into those themes without any culty stuff, um, I would recommend Haunting Ground. It more or less touches on the exact same themes uh, even more explicitly in some senses, I would argue, just as a as a side note. Also a great game in general. <laughs>
1: I believe that is on our spreadsheet of games. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That will be a good one. I believe it is. Um,
2: yeah that that scene with Vincent
0: is is so interesting because it's like we don't really know who Vincent is yet but he's in like if you if you just look at like the plaques in the place that he's in or I think it says in the safe point he's in like a mental health something like when i first saw him i kind of assumed he was a therapist or like a psychologist which Mm. i i don't know how accurate that is but i do think he's kind of supposed to be in like a psychologist's office um and the idea of this psychologist who is like incredibly shitty to Heather and doesn't believe what she's saying about her trauma is like once again a kind of
2: very yeah. familiar <laughs> and unpleasant theme yeah.
0: that uh, relates to everything else we've been talking about
2: I think Vincent as well as a character it's it's funny that I also never clicked that he was in a mental health place it's also fitting for his character because uh, as you' as you'll see more of um, when you play the rest of the game is that he's very uh how what's what's the word I guess I mean predatory is definitely the way to sum it up but uh it feels like he's trying to trick heather with everything he's saying it feels like can i trust this guy who the hell is this guy why should i trust what he's saying to me he's this this probably 30 plus year old man talking to the 17 year old and i there's something very um he feels manipulative from the get-go i always felt like this is the kind of person you would not want to talk to especially on your own uh, as a woman and that's exactly the situation that heather finds herself with him in or finds herself in with him all the time. I think there's a very manipulative energy to the way he talks to her. And it's fitting then that he's uh, in a mental health office so that he's being very manipulative of her mental health, you could say. Yeah, because often when, when people meet
0: like, in Silent Hill, when, when the protagonist meets someone else, the other person is not seeing, like, the monsters that they are seeing. You know, it's like the, the things that James experiences in Silent Hill 2 aren't the same things that Angela experiences. Um, Vincent seems totally aware of, like, what Heather mm. is up against. And he's like, yeah, but it's kind of fun, isn't it? And she's like, no, I don't want this. Um, and, But it is it is, like, he is being kind of... Overtly either cruel or just like completely ignoring the uh you know, kind of her danger, um, as opposed to everyone else who seems to kind of not quite
1: understand
0: it or like be uh be experiencing their own sort of thing.
1: Um this feels like a good moment to bring up a note I wrote. Uh I'm just gonna read this verbatim, it's a little little heady, so bear with me here. Uh Hell, world, scary, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> hell World, really scary. <laughs> we, we meet Vincent shortly after going into the Hell World, and I was not a fan. I was, I was a fan, but I was not a fan of this Hell World. It fucked with me. In a way that the other world did not in Silent Hill 2. Like, just the, uh, I don't know the right word for it, the garishness of it, uh, excessiveness of the fact the idea that it looks like every orifice and wall is bleeding- just like really disturbed me throughout this level it's a very different
0: uh kind of image of uh the nightmare world or the hell world than silent hill 2 because like what what this game kind of like it's really forthright with it in kind of one of the opening scenes of like heather going down that elevator or whatever is like it's a very specifically kind of industrial hell uh, which is different like there's way more like rusting metal and kind of like iron grates and like fans spinning around and that's that's silent hill one right yeah like
2: 100 oh, that... yeah, um okay.
0: yeah gotcha. and it's i i just like how much of kind of how much of an identity that has um and then it does have that thing where oh my god you know i think of are like those hitman levels that take place in a nightclub and they do that fun trick where it's like oh it's really quiet outside the doors and then you open the doors and it's like boom boom, boom you know they're doing like the nightclub music and this is like that but instead of club music it is just the most horrible noises you've ever heard where you just enter a room and suddenly it is just like every piece of metal being scraped against every other piece of
1: metal. Uh, a is going fucking book wild making the, (laughs) the horror songs in here. The, the ones that play in the, if I can go back to the mall real quick, the songs that play in the mall when monsters show up, that just has someone like moaning into a microphone with no pop filter in front of them and then they peaked the sound as loud as possible. Like, <laughs> it was one of the worst things I have ever put my poor ears through. It was so fucking scary. Uh, this Hellworld, the pictures of... Have you noticed the, like, pictures? that hang in this
0: uh well i noticed the uh the posters of minmo the cat but no what are the what are the pictures no. you're talking about
1: <laughs> no in, in in a couple <laughs> spots you'll see pictures of like just a smiling mouth oh or yeah ears. what the fuck is going on there what is that i don't know like uh, tango please please tell us what it actually is but my thought was like oh, this is, like, a very pretty smiling face. Is this, like, indicative of, like, beauty standards or something? They're fucking scary no matter what it is, but, like, what are these things?
2: Yeah, that's a cool idea, the beauty standards thing. That would certainly fit in. Uh, Truth be told, that is, like, the one thing I could just never wrap my head around in this game. (laughs) I I did (laughs) not know what they were going for. I've seen some people say that it looks an awful lot like um, artwork of a character that was in Silent Hill 1 called Lisa. She's the nurse character. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the pictures are very reminiscent of old art for her. And she actually is technically in Silent Hill 3. Uh, I'm not sure if you've come across it yet, so I won't say too much, but she... Is, is can be seen I believe in three or it's in, in it's like implied to be her
1: and Lisa was Cheryl's nurse or Alyssa's nurse
2: Alyssa's nurse exactly yeah. yes okay, and she gotcha. TLDR she was guilty for what she indirectly did to Alyssa and it's she's like a guilt plot going on Um, and she also ends up dying with by bleeding out of every orifice which is very comparable
0: she's got the scariest scene in the whole franchise right that thing where she's like stumbling towards what i thought yeah that's what i thought when i saw these images because there's specifically one where you like you open a set of doors and it's this whole kind of array in front of you is is they looked uh it, it it almost felt like a uh like a voyeurism or like a stalking thing to me that it was, you know, because it's, it's clearly, or I, I I think, you know, at least the mouth looks like a woman, you know? And so I was thinking kind of like here is, here is like heather's life before being like portrayed like hey they were watching you before this they were like haunting you they're following you or whatever um which i don't i don't know if it's you know like who knows but it did feel very much like this like even in moments of joy you are being like watched in a creepy way
2: (laughs) before you meet it's completely optional but before you right before you speak to vincent you -hmm. can find a photo on uh like it looks like a little Mm -hmm. sofa just outside the, the mental health clinic of heather and i think she comments saying wait have they been watching me so stalking is definitely a very central topic i think a very subtle topic in three yeah
1: so those photos are not where i was thinking of like voyeurism and stalking but in this level there's um there's a few places where it came up for me one is in a hallway you just see another part of a hallway from behind a giant pane of glass. Oh, yeah. Like, that was very interesting, because it does look like a different building that you're looking into. And I was like, it's kind of fascinating. But they're also, I don't know the way to explain it. You can, several places throughout this level, you'll see clearly what are, like, cutouts in the wall, and they're usually graded over with, like, a fencing or something. And if you take the time to, like, really look in there, there are bodies in there hanging and it oh my like, gosh. gives this really weird sensation of straining to see someone. And they're usually like, you know, hanging bloody yeah. bodies because it's Silent Hill. But like there is this like, you know, very weird element of trying to see them where you are like really kind of straining to be like, what is in there? Let me look at this thing. That's fascinating. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I don't know if I'm reading way too far into it at that point. But like that is where I was thinking like, oh, this is... There's almost like a voyeuristic element to doing this right yeah. now. Yeah. So uh,
2: I, I think a reason maybe why some of the the other world would have a lot of like hanging bodies and and gross imagery, and there's a lot of hospital imagery as well, like yeah. that you might notice a few gurneys or like uh, wheelchairs or whatnot around the place, is because I suppose in Silent Hill one a part of Alessa's soul, you know, the girl who went through like crazy trauma and was more or less uh, abused by the cult. The Hellworld in three, even though Heather is kind of her own person, the Hellworld in three is representative of Alessa's... How do I explain this? Sorry, the the, the plot is gets very muddled in this, in this <laughs> regard. But the Hellworld in one is very much Alessa's nightmare. You know, like it's a lot of awful imagery to do with the trauma she went through. And I think because... A part of Alessa is in Heather. The Hellworld World in Three is the same thing. Even though Heather herself didn't go through these awful traumatic experiences, she's still seeing it. Yeah, the nightmare of Alessa from One.
0: It's a really cool idea. You know, our our favorite scene in Two obviously is uh is seeing Angela's vision of Silent Hill. And uh, you know, for oh, me, yeah. it's always like this. And the idea of like you're kind of seeing your own personal nightmares, but also it's just like sucking in everyone's you know you're you're kind of seeing this like montage of everyone connected to use nightmares brought into this one world in ways that like don't fit you know like heather will actually say like why are there gurneys here like what <laughs> why who brought these here um and yeah i think that's really interesting
1: jacob did you get the train pusher cutscene? the train pusher
2: Ooh.
1: in the subway where Heather's pushed onto the tracks. No, I I heard about this, but I didn't find it. Okay, so I was wondering if this was optional because I was like pretty sure I'd been to the area where it happened before I read the newspaper. Then I read the newspaper and it happened. There's a newspaper you can find. Um, did you find the ticket booths and walk up to them and be like, oh, I can't get a ticket out of this? No, I don't think so. It's very, it's in the beginning of the level. There's a newspaper on top of the ticket booths that you can read. It's from a few months ago that explains like, oh, this guy was uh, pushed in front of an oncoming train and decapitated. And then if on one of the train platforms, when you walk by, you will get a first person POV of someone behind Heather doing some sort of this like creepy breathing shit. And then they push Heather onto the tracks. And then you switch back to gameplay and have to jump back up onto the platform before the train wow. Comes. Uh, no, I, I totally didn't get that. Definitely, a, a, at least at the, what we played, it's most overt and obvious. Uh, reference to yeah. stalking,
2: yeah. It, it ties into the voyeurism thing as well. Because, yep. uh, I always what I that scene is, is fascinating to me because of how unsettling it is. And yeah, it's totally optional. Uh, yeah. I think you have to read that newspaper to activate it. But one thing I also thought about it that I don't see people comment on very much is that he's very kind of staggered, shadow, uh, shallow breathing. Oh yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. sounds like he's, uh, you know, he's um, doing something he shouldn't be in public. Like, sure. You know, it's kind of got that vibe to it that he's a, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's it's further adding to the to the voyeuristic aspect of it, and especially again with a a 17 year old girl it's it's yeah it it really does tie back into the the kind of fears that you would have at that age i think yeah Yeah,
0: and and specifically even subways is for some fucked up reason i feel like the place where a lot of people have that sort of
1: experience well there's not many other places to get pushed in front of a train jacob oh yeah yeah yeah, that's the experience i was talking about (laughs) difficulty level are you playing the puzzles on i'm
0: playing on normal on both uh but i am uh, fairly
1: liberally glancing at a walkthrough if i get stuck so an interesting thing i noticed like silent hill 2 i'm playing normal combat difficulty easy puzzle difficulty and i don't think this ever happened in silent hill 2 because i watched an entire playthrough of it and silent hill 3 some of the puzzles are different or yes. don't appear uh-huh. in my version of the game that you're playing, which I've found. So there's a puzzle where you have to turn a fan off and kill a bunch of bugs by mixing up some like chemical concoction. Yeah, you make you make like chlorine gas. <laughs> <laughs> not in my game at all. Like those bugs are not in there. Uh you cannot find like the chemicals aren't in there. Even though the camera perspective of one of them is finding it, it goes to a fixed camera and like highlights. One of them, it still happens in my game, but there's nothing there. And, uh, also the screwdriver puzzle where you have to unlatch the drawer to get, uh, a... I think it's rope yeah. or something like a that. A rope. Yeah. Yeah. Totally not in there. The drawer is just open, which is a weird one. Cause it yeah, it's like not that hard to figure out. Puzzle. Um, but yeah, there there are some like discrepancies between the puzzles and the games we're playing. Here's something that I got on my playthrough that I couldn't figure out.
0: I kind of looked up and I couldn't figure out if it was like supposed to be only a new game plus or something. There is like an unbelievably fourth wall breaking scene with a toilet. Did mm-hmm. I assume both of you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm talking about? Where yeah. where there's you're in a bathroom yeah. and there's a clogged toilet and it says like. There's a, there's a clogged, uh, something seems to be clogging the toilet. It's full of disgusting water. Will you unclog it? And you can press, like, yes. And Heather, like, starts to do it and then is like wait a minute i'm not doing this and turns around and looks directly into the camera and she's like what sort of disgusting person <laughs> would do something like that which is of course james does that in silent hill too but it's like it's so goofy that i was like i don't know if i was supposed to find this my
2: first playthrough i think you can only get that if you have a save file for two and there's another very mm. similar thing that happens if you have a save file as well where if you go to the when you go to the apartments when you first arrive there uh if you look in the the little uh what are they like for letters and whatnot the little post box thingies uh at the entrance i think if you interact with that if you have a save file of two heather makes some snarky comment along the lines of oh it's not like i have a letter from my dead wife or anything (laughs) she makes some like offhand snarky comment it's golden and a lot of people don't see it naturally because why would you interact with that you know
1: okay so i'm that's really interesting to hear because i examined both those areas and did not get Oh, that's those. funny! Like when I looked in the mailbox, he- Heather was just like, "Oh, there's nothing here." And I played Silent Hill two on PS two, and I'm playing Silent Hill three on PC, so that must be why I didn't get them. There you go. Oh, there it, you it go. Found yeah. My save
0: file. Here's some here's some random moments that I wrote down. Um, uh, you go into a bookstore. Uh, there's this puzzle with like lining up like Shakespeare novels or whatever. This is the most unbelievably detailed bookstore I've ever seen in a video game. I like it seems like there are more textures <laughs> in this one bookstore than like anything else. It's like every book is separate sometimes it really feels like they're just showing off um the weapons that you find in this game are very
1: strange are ah. Uh... I like the goofiness of the toilet puzzle in the Silent Hill 2 Easter Eggs. I think these weapons are pretty dumb. Like, I don't you like find, that. you
2: find, like, a
0: mall
1: <laughs> and a katana? Like, it's, like... Yeah. Yeah. I just, like... <laughs> it's too much for me heather's
2: canonically a weeb (laughs) i I take it that she's canonically a weeb for sure it's
1: it's a little much for me i'm just like give me a wooden plank and give me a a handgun and that's all i need they just like they feel
2: they
0: feel very new game plus you know in uh in the game ego Mm. there's a thing where you can do this like incredibly obtuse uh puzzle and someone will throw you, like, a spiked maul or, like, a lightsaber even through a window. And it's, like, that's where they should be. It should be something that you would, like, never normally do. But the fact that it's, like, no, it's right next to the map for this place is it's just yeah this giant medieval weapon. I
1: believe you also get an Uzi at one point in this game, which is very funny. Yeah, the
2: unlockables as well. There's some uh, unlockables for this game that are just, man, Team Siloam were on some goofy shit when they were making. <laughs> In this yeah. game i don't know what they were doing
0: they're like we gotta one-up the dog we got, we gotta do even better <laughs> yeah exactly um, let's see there there are a lot of level design things that i do really like here even if the levels don't kind of cohere as much um in the mall there are these things they're like escalators that just end in a like a void and it's so scary that it's just, like, this giant hole that they drop into. And then later on, you um, uh, you climb down a ladder that is once again just into this, like, pitch black. And it's so cool. Um, in that apartment building that you go to, or whatever kind of building it is, there's this feeling of, like, you enter on the first floor, and then you're running up staircases. And they're, like, the second floor is, like, locked. This floor has crumbled And then you go to, like, third floor, (laughs) and it's like, Locke, this floor is crumbled. And it does that until you get to the fifth floor, and you walk out, and you're like, okay, I guess this one's good. But you have this incredibly ominous feeling of, like, wait, every other floor of this building has like crumbled to dust and i'm on the fifth floor Uh, I, i i just i really like the kind of like unearthly feeling of going around these places
1: there's also a boss fight where you can't actually fight the boss you have to find the pages of a fairy tale and i thought that was really cool oh yeah that weird locked up thing is that tango do you have like a take on that thing
0: I couldn't even tell what I was looking.
2: at. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a hot mess of a creature. It's, uh, <laughs> man. I, so the the puzzle itself where you have to find a fairy tale is another. Like, uh, reflection of the first game. You have to do the exact same thing in the first game. Um, and I, I guess in three, it probably, you know, it's the whole fairy tale idea. It's probably tying into the, again, childhood kind of almost belittling Heather. I, I that's a, that's a running thing I think with three is that I feel like the, the world of, the, the other world in Silent Hill 3 is belittling Heather for being a child, almost kind of, mean-spirited i guess compared to twos of the world but yeah as for the monster itself dear god i don't know what to make of it it's <laughs> it's really awful to look at like anytime i play three after all these years i still go up and look at it and like dear god what's going on in there you know <laughs>
0: yeah it's it is very weird um we talked about it before but i just want to talk about it again um the subway station uh that's not nightmare and is theoretically just a normal subway station is truly the most like liminal space vibes you know if you follow those like automated twitter accounts that just post pictures of liminal spaces (laughs) because it's like it's long white hallways and they have like no lights on and so it's just heather's flashlight lighting up like 12 feet in front of her and then it goes dark, and they all look the same, and the puzzle of the area is really just, like, hey, can you get to the station? And every time you look on a map, Heather's like, yeah, I know where I'm going. I just need to get to, like, this platform. But it's so big and dark and repetitive looking that it's, like, very hard to even know where you're going. And there's no music for most of this part. Like, there's music when you go into an enemy area. But I just loved, like, silently running around the subway station. I thought it was so, so cool.
2: Yeah, I I do think that, uh, like area design-wise, navigation-wise, it's probably one of the worst Silent mm-hmm. Hill areas because I don't know if you notice, but if you look on the, the, uh, the you know, the posters on the wall saying, oh, this platform is this way, this platform is that way. None of them are accurate. Yeah, I, I kept think, trying to follow yeah, because them. I, I've watched so many... Yeah, I've watched so many people play it for the first time, because I just use a walkthrough of these games, uh, you know, no shame in it, I just use a walkthrough, right. but when I watch people play those without a walkthrough, and they follow those earnestly, you know, thinking, oh, that's where that's where I'm meant to go, they get lost, it's, I don't know what they were thinking designing that place, but atmosphere-wise, yeah. peak, totally, so, just
1: uh, <laughs> gameplay-wise, it's a little shaky. So I'm playing without a walkthrough, which really made this section a bit of a nightmare, <laughs> uh, but one of the things, this game pulled an evil trick on me. I was like going through and the the solution to one of the big puzzles is a gate is locked and you need a nutcracker to unlock it. Mm-hmm. And so when I found the nutcracker, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, perfect. So I went up, I go into my inventory, nutcracker, use. And Heather says, I can't use that here. And I was like, okay, I have not figured out the solution to the puzzle yet. Uh, so I spent about 30 minutes running around the oh entire my gosh. subway over and over again. And then I finally looked up a uh, walkthrough because I was like, what? Could I possibly be doing? Because one of the confusing things is like I need to get p- to the Bergen Street platform. There's a Bergen Street platform that is not the correct one. Yeah. Uh you're supposed to be at. I just spent some time standing there for a while just being like, what's up? What should I do? Uh I think what I did is I was one step away from being in the triggerable spot for the solution oh, of man. the puzzle, but I was stuck here forever, <laughs> knowing the solution, but the game did not give it to me, which was immensely frustrating the game does that a lot and it's
0: kind of its refusal to uh do any gamey like highlighting of important objects or whatever where like you can be standing at a desk and there's an important item at that desk but if you're like an inch you know to the left or right heather will kind of be like well there's nothing here for me and then it's like But you just have to kind of rely on like, okay, but Heather, your head is still really tracking this desk right now,
1: so I'm going to like. They, they did, they did a little too much head tracking in this game. Silent Hill 2 had a good sweet spot. I don't need Heather to turn and look at every door. (laughs) <laughs> which, when I go into a room and I'm like, alright, any important items over here? Heather's head is, like, going back and forth. I'm like, alright, where is it? And I realize she's looking at two
2: different doors in the room and I'm like, oh my god. They probably I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, complaints or something like, oh, it's not obvious enough or yeah, something yeah. but they overcompensated. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: there is there is the scene in the train station that actually I Wolf talked about in uh, his Silent Hill 2 vid uh, that I thought was funny but it is just so mean where it's like the solution to getting out of the subway tunnel is there's a door on the tracks. You walk up and the camera's like, hey, here's the place to go. Look at this door. And you walk up to it. The door is locked. Two dogs jump out from nowhere and the train starts coming. And you just you have to get back so fast or you'll get hit by a train. Yeah. And it's like... It's just so mean-spirited. Like, it's just such Gabriel a fuck you from the game.
2: <laughs> yeah, th- that's more of it, I think. Um, because you don't really get moments like that in the other Silent Hills as much. It's, it's very, it feels very pointed to the fact that, you know, all the other characters were like adults going through Silent Hill. This is a kid. Yeah. And I feel like the Silent Hill is kind of making fun of the fact she's a kid by doing pulling these tricks on her I, I think it's it, it, it doesn't make sense when you play first like the door was like what the hell was the point of that whole sequence but then you're like oh it's because this Silent hill is really cruel yeah <laughs> cool
1: <laughs> uh, I think we mentioned it earlier but just to reiterate we're still not in Silent Hill at this point yes like the correct. place we left off at. The place we left off at was the narrative moment where Heather was like, I'm going to Silent Hill. And she has like this bad out of this monologue where she's like, I'm going to Silent Hill to catch 25 to life. I'm about to murder this lady, <laughs> uh, that which rolled. It was so good. Um, but Jacob, to wrap up, can we talk about this final scene? Yeah, well, first I just have to note,
0: um, I don't think Heather knows how subway cars work. Uh, because she gets on one and the doors close and she's like oh wait <laughs> let me out of here and it's <laughs> like no Heather that's how every her...
1: subway <laughs> operates she goes into the subway and she's like I'm just gonna take the train home and the second she gets on the train she's like let me out I'm like oh. yeah, I'm repeating uh, what you said I also oh, really loved fighting through the train I thought that was really cool but I was unsure why she wanted to get to the front of the train just stay in the back it's
0: uh, hey, uncharted to eat your heart out here's the train level that we're all talking about <laughs> speaking
1: of naughty dog last of us part two eat your heart out because we're killing a father (laughs) well
0: the father's already dead
1: uh Uh, yeah Yeah. so (laughs) we we show up to heather's apartment hold on something i want to point out when you walk into heather's apartment if you're a good adventure game player you open your inventory you check her key to see the apartment number on it and you notice the door to the left is 102 which is her apartment number that's not her apartment. They're two 102. Yeah, what's going on there? I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you have to like run deep into the apartment to find the other one. So I check the other doors to be like, do they just all say 102? No. They all make sense. It's just that really? one. Really?
2: Oh my god, yeah. I never noticed that. It's yeah. so funny. And I have no clue. What's <laughs> Heather is
0: so offended by the notion that we would go in. She's like, That's not my apartment. Why would I go in there? I'm like, cause you're this is the number. <laughs> Yeah, it's so Um, funny. uh, But then things get uh, bad because you go into the apartment and um, and uh, Heather's dad, Harry, is dead. Hold on.
1: I have a question about this. (laughs) Yeah. Heather, the (laughs) game, Heather's apartment is on the ground floor, right? It seems. But when you go into her apartment, it's not on the ground floor because you exit out the fire escape and then go up to the roof. So she's at least on the second floor. I don't mean the cinema sense it but it, this is just occurring to me. Maybe the house is her apartment like has yeah, warped wow. into the, the sky. House, the house the houses or the the
0: apartment building is like built into a hillside so like one side is on ground floor <laughs> and then there's like a basement. Or like it's
1: a really small apartment. It's clear it's only one a one story apartment like they don't have a second story to Harry and Heather's, but maybe in the front entrance there's a staircase that goes up into their apartment. Well, so that's the most
0: important thing in this scene, but I guess the second most important is that her father, <laughs> Harry, is dead. Um, and he is the thing that I noticed about this scene is he is um, dead in an armchair in basically the exact position where James finds uh, himself, technically, yeah. in Silent Hill 2. Dead in an armchair. Um. Uh. It's very uh, Tango. Is that related to Silent Hill
2: One at all? Is there is there like some reference there? God, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I was always kind of a bit confused as to how he died exactly, because what I always wondered is how exactly did the monster get in there? You know, like is in was it a sneak attack? Because how was he chilling on an armchair? You yeah, think he, he would have gotten up and TV tried to fight back or something? Just he kill. just took it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> took um, the L. <laughs> I,
0: I like this scene because. Uh, Heather reacts like a normal person to finding her father dead uh, which is like normal reactions are so few and far between in this series that it's like oh wow this is yeah this is how you would react you would like scry uh, cry and scream and be very sad um.
2: Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fucked up. It's it's ten times more painful as well if you played the first game because you just spent this whole game looking for your kid, like world's best dad going through literally hell to find your kiddo, and then the first time you, you see him in the game, the only other time is you hear him on a phone call at the beginning of three, but the first time you see him physically, he's dead, It's and in such a a cruel way to and for such cruel reasons as well by the cult it's it's just it's it, i'm still not over it the game's like 20 years old i'm still not over it. my my man harry got robbed i swear braver
1: than last of us part two as well because you get to have some scenes with joel in that game <laughs> and this one Harry's um, killed off screen you yeah, don't even see him there you go and so we'll get to kind of what happens on the roof but
0: there's this interesting thing that heather says after it uh where where she says like essentially at the end of this scene you and the private eye like put him on the bed and cover him uh, with this bed sheet and heather's like there's no one here to give him a decent burial and it just like it raises this question of like even though they're not living in silent hill what is this like life that they live you know like do they have friends do they have like any connections
1: No, I don't think... I think Heather is just aware that the world is breaking around her. Because if you exit the mall and you go to both ends of the street, like if you miss the Golden Path route, you'll notice that the roads have been blocked off the way they were in Silent Hill 2. And Heather remarks, like, this is not how this was when I came to the mall. Mm. So I think she is realizing, like, the world is no longer correct. She also mentions... I can't remember... If you look at the, the first enemy who's, like, chewing on a body, if you go examine the body, she's like, normally I would call the cops. Mm-hmm. So I think she is like, very aware that something is, like, wrong in the world with her, rather than it being, like, just the town is fucked up or, like, they're in hiding yeah. or something.
0: Um, so anyway, uh, you you go to the roof, um, and Claudia is up there. Uh, interesting note from the development section on Wikipedia. Apparently, Claudia was uh, modeled after the actress Julianne Moore... Uh, and then they took off her eyebrows, which you can kind of see if you uh, if you look at Claudia. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, Claudia says some fucked up shit. Uh, she's uh, Heather's like, why did you kill him? And she says, well, one, 17 years ago, he was a huge pain in the ass, and so it was just like payback. But then she says, and, and Tango, I, my guess is that the wording of this is, is pretty important, so uh, correct me if I'm saying it wrong. But she said that, like, it's to kind of fill Heather's heart with hate or something. Like, there's this kind of implication that, like, mm-hmm. creating anger or resentment is, like, important to their uh,
2: plot somehow. Yeah, so I, I I I wouldn't know the ins and outs of this, so there there'll probably be a Silent Hill lore expert out there who might be able to say it's better than me, but I think... If I were to take a wild guess, I'd say in the first game, when they were treating Alessa so horribly and, uh, in, in Sentinel 1, Alessa ends up being burnt to a crisp, quite literally. I wouldn't be surprised if they had to do that to, you know, get, get some hate going in her, you yeah. know, fill her heart with hate in a similar way to Heather to then birth the god. So I I would say then in 3 Claudia was like, "Well, what's the easiest and quickest way I can do this to Heather?" Yep. Just kill her dad. The only person in her life she doesn't have a mother, she doesn't have siblings. She she doesn't seem like the person who would have loads of friends to run to in these scenarios, she seems like a, She gives me the vibe she'd be a little bit of a loner, so I wouldn't be surprised that they were like, let's hit her where it hurts, let's kill off her dad, you know? And,
0: uh, and then Claudia says, hey, but I didn't kill your dad. Actually, it was, um, uh, the enemy from
1: Clock Tower. Uh, she doesn't say that, but that's, that's what that guy <laughs> no, looks it's like. it's not, it's cool, I'm... It no, it's not half as cool as the dude from Clock Tower. This is one of the <laughs> worst enemy designs in the entire Silent Hill franchise, as far as I'm concerned. He looks like someone from Manhunt, Jacob. Yeah, he's just a guy with big scissors. <laughs> no, he's got like it's like knives duct taped to his arms. <laughs> Who can deflect bullets as well, which is insane. Yeah, yeah,
2: he's a pain in the ass to fight. Yeah, I name. didn't
1: like, I do not <laughs> like him. I had to use my katana.
0: It's a, it's a weirdly just traditional boss fight you know where it's like oh you gotta get behind him and shoot him it's it has like almost too many mechanics uh for for a boss fight it's fine it's not like hard um uh but you kill that guy and then you go back down and uh the private eye is in your room and heather's like i'm going i'm going to silent hill um and he says well it's kind of my fault so I'll drive you and uh and that's
2: where we leave off right something you guys might find interesting is that uh in the scene on the rooftop where she's where heather's getting all angry at claudia in the original in the ori- i presume you guys are listening to the original dialogue and not the mm-hmm. the dreaded yes. hd remaster <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> in the original she says something along the lines of i'll get you for this and in the remaster for some reason i i would love to know why they felt the need to change it but i actually think you could argue it's a better line she says, I'll get you, you bitch, oh, that's good. which is a lot more good. angry. You know, it's, it's way more fitting for what she's gone through and very minimal change. But I think that if there's any one thing I'll give the HD collection, that line is goes way more hard than the original. Heather
1: has some really good outbursts of anger in this game. Like there is a section where she screams at Vincent for bringing up her father. Uh, and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. She like slams this, like, the great door. Dude. It's a, such a good animation where she punches something behind her and starts yelling at him, at her, uh, at him. Uh, great stuff. It's a little bit of childishness
2: too, yeah. isn't it? You know, like she can't control her emotions and she just outbursts of anger. It's it's great. I love the, that element to uh, her.
1: And,
0: and, but it is also, it's just like, here's another fucking guy trying to tell me what to do. You know, I like, I totally, I really like uh, <laughs> yeah. your first meeting with Claudia. Claudia says, I am Claudia. And Heather says, so what? uh which is so good (laughs)
1: oh man she has so many good zingers where uh the private eyes like heather's like i'm out of here see you later bozo and he's like well what should i do and she doesn't even look at him she's like hell if i know (laughs) and walks off
2: (laughs) it's like so good she's got she's got another banger line in the in one of the final cutscenes. you guys will know the one when you hear her but it's a god she's fantastic yeah uh, kind of characterization i guess yeah heather rules
0: one of my faves um so yeah, so that's that's it. that's where we leave off. Um uh Tango, I'll tell you I'm I'm very sad that I have not actually watched your Silent Hill 3 video yet because I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this after I finish the game because I assume that uh it will be discussing the game in total. Um but I guess do you want to um I don't know, where do you see now, you know, many years since you've played this game? Like uh Silent Hill 3 is that still kind of like a a somewhat formative game for you like do you still view other things through the lens of this or you know of heather or you know have you kind of just like made it one in your roster of horror games that you like
2: man i think three will always have a very special place to me because it's a it it definitely was formative it was because you know playing all these other horror games where this action man hero like resident evil but with two having a not only such down-to-earth characters but a down-to-earth female character who when i first played it was only a few years older than me was very formative i mean uh she was actually my first cosplay ever i'm not much of a cosplayer normally but i i I was obsessed with her growing up she was such a a, kind of like god i don't want to say role model that sounds a bit cringe but you know like i i really looked up to her as a character i thought she was such a realistic likable character and i still do i still think she's one of the the best protagonists we've ever gotten in a game so while three isn't my favorite anymore it would have been growing up four is more my favorite nowadays i think three has the best protagonist by a mile for sure. um,
0: just just for the record we had someone write into a QA episode detailing how they attempted to dress like travis touchdown through their entire uh high school experience so it is far from the least embarrassing character to uh model yourself after
1: <laughs> oh my god that poor listener you just roasted
0: <laughs> look they roasted themselves <laughs>
1: that's true That's true, true um
0: <laughs> uh Tango, you uh you recently had a video come out uh that I think is both both you and um our friend Maria, aka Eurothug four thousand had videos on incredibly obscure horror games come out. Uh but you had something with the the first ever uh, English coverage of a horror game called Hungry Ghosts. Are you? Uh, this is a, a, an obvious question. Are you fluent in
2: Japanese? Uh, yeah, I studied in college. I studied translation in college. Yeah. That is, uh, that is so yeah. cool.
0: Are there, are there other than uh, Hungry Ghosts? Have you kind of run across? games that, I don't know, we're always looking for horror games. Are there, like, are there things that we're missing out on because they haven't been translated?
2: Oh, man. you I could make a whole goddamn video just about it. I have a, a, a note make on my the phone. video. <laughs> I've got a note on my phone, just a list of Japan-only games. Mostly horror, some not, but yeah, it is a treasure trove. That's what I always, that's what I wanted my channel to be from the get-go, actually, was going to be just exclusively Japan-exclusive games, and then I kind of said, nah, broaden your horizon a little bit do a bit more than just that but yeah I, I want to focus uh th- maybe a sub series of sorts on the channel where I'll be focusing on those games because it's just it, there's there's so many games ps1 ps2 especially just a treasure trove of games that never saw the light of day in the west and I just kind of thought hey you've got the language ability just <laughs> make videos you know it is a
0: really th- special and unique thing and I I hope that uh more people check out your channel uh if they're a fan of this I'm sure that uh that you will appeal to them thank you um Anything else that you want to uh, plug, talk about? People should, you know, follow you elsewhere. Oh, man.
2: Um, I mean, I'm really only on Twitter, aside from YouTube and Twitch, Tango Mushi on both. Uh, video essays, horror-centric, but not always exclusively. And, yeah, I stream a lot of uh, retro and indie horror over on Twitch as well. And, uh, oh, and I'm on, uh, did I say Twitter? Uh, I love Clem at I love Klim, Uh Or Tango Mushi will probably come up. Is
1: that I love Clem from Walking Dead? K- Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never oh yeah. Not okay. quite. Okay. It's it's a
2: it's a reference to a game called um uh Zero Escape if you're horror game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A little bit of an, a weird one. Yeah, I can't change it. Someone took Mushi, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: um and that does it for this episode of Something Rotten on Silent Hill 3. Next episode, we will be finishing the game. We're going to find out what's waiting for Heather in Silent Hill. Uh we're going to find out. If um, Minmo, the cat, does grow big and strong by eating all of their food. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, Blake, are you looking forward to playing this second half or are you uh,
1: dreading it now? both. That's kind of my experience playing Silent Hill as a series is (laughs) I can't wait to play more. And I also uh, have a lot of anxiety about playing these games because you know what? For as much as I like them, uh, they are dreadful experiences, not in the quality sense. And the just shit's fucking scary i'm playing this game yeah. with the lights on right in now. in the experiential <laughs> sense uh well for
0: playcaster my name is jacob Keller. this has been something rotten and um uh for the last time heather is canonically a weeb that's your main takeaway from this episode
1: <laughs> bye there again someday, but you never did. Well,
2: I'm alone there now, in our special place, waiting for you.